everyone. I'm Anna Close. And I'm Paul Jabroni, and this is the Engineering History Podcast. If you want to hear about where engineering and history collide, I just realized how fast you said that, <laughs> then you're at the right show. Today, Today on, on episode, episode 7, seven. <laughs> we will be going over Radium's glowing era and the Radium Girls. But first, let's give you guys some background about us. I'm a mechanical engineer uh, working at an aerospace company doing mostly manufacturing activities. I feel like I have to talk slower than counteract. You know what it was? I drank a lot of coffee before this. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, I'm a civil engineer focusing in water resources and water quality. And our alcohol for today's podcast is... It's a doozy. (laughs) Headlands Brewing Company, California, Bryon's... Hazy IPA, did I say that right? Not even close, but Brion? I can get it either. Brion? <laughs> Briones? Brian's. It's, I guess it's named after Brian's Regional Park. Well, cool. Oh, chop. Oh, yes. Chop, chop. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. <laughs> it's smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> I think it's great. Anna. So, last episode we talked about the one and only Marie Curie. We and did. kind of the founding of Radium. The queen that she is. Love the that G bitch. Marie Curie. Mm-hmm. More like Manya Consonant. Yeah, yes, yes. Remember, that's a callback. Yeah, her full name was something very Polish. But I'm I'm getting the impression, Anna, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you don't have to have listened to that podcast to get something out of this one. Well, there are some callbacks about kind of like the alpha particles and stuff sure. like that. That might be important for this. But it's like threads in a tapestry, you know. You you don't yeah. have to have listened to <laughs> Just it. Just listen to the podcast, okay? <laughs> it's a great podcast. Jesus. <laughs> As someone who's familiar with the source material, I bet this could be a self-alone story. That's just me. Okay, Paul. Way to advertise our show. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a really good job. I, just, on I it. think we should be inclusive. I think we should be inclusive. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So, the glowing era of radium. Bum bum bum. Can you? Can we get some 1920s theme music from from you? We're taking you back to the early 20th century. Hey, Jim, how's the railroad going? Oh, Craig, I just had to oppress 17 more uh, migrant workers. It's okay, they're not really human. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, women's rights. And, ah, ha, ha. We can't let women, you know, vote. That's fucking insane. That would be, what if they're, they're on their period? <laughs> oh, my God, the blood, it's coming from all orifices. They're going to go to vote and blah, right on the page. <laughs> Oh, God. Do people really talk like that? People talk <laughs> like that today. Oh, shit. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, the majestic glow of radium entrants much of the world's population. Kind of how it, it doesn't do that today, surprisingly. But what about the successful bone cancer treatments it enables? Yeah, you know, if you'd listened to the previous <laughs> episode, We're you getting would know all the speed. <laughs> you know all about it. I talked about it in great detail, It's actually. just crazy how you don't have to know that for this to be rewarding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, mm. you know what? <laughs> this podcast is over. That's valid. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Products such as clothing, cosmetics, toothpaste, and bug spray advertise their use of radium. Uh-oh. Yeah, imagine, like, you're going out on the town, and you're just like, excuse me, let me go grab my radium-lined dress and brush my teeth with radium in it. While you slowly just give yourself cancer with every single one of your household products. Mm-hmm. Was there lead still in the pipes? I bet there were. I bet. I mean, yeah. I bet. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. However, here's the catch. Many of these products didn't actually have radium in it since it was very expensive and in short supply. Ooh, well, that so. sort of sells out pretty nicely. <laughs> so, yeah. But then how did they fake the bioluminescence? Or uh, sorry, the radioluminescence. What do you? Well, there was there were some products that had it, like the like right. watches and clocks. Oh, so they, they were like, I gotcha. So it. your radium health drink isn't necessarily it glowing. Do, it doesn't. Per se. Okay, yeah. Good, and good. like I don't think like the toothpaste or clothes really had radium in it. It was mm-hmm. just like advertised as that. Have you ever? Oh, you have. Do you remember when we used to play? fallout together yeah this reminds me cornelia what was his name it was like cornelius we had a character who was named cornelius no no that was frederick marmalade that was our character (laughs) maybe his middle name was cornelius frederick cornelius marmalade Anyway, I just bring it up because the the radiated beverages remind me of the Nuka Cola that we used to drink yeah (laughs) but Luckily, there wasn't... Did River just fart? No, I think that came from outside. I heard it. Oh. That sound? That (laughs) That definitely came from outside? Yeah, that came from outside. Not from River's butthole. But there was um, uh, kind of like a nickname for radium. It was called Liquid Sunshine. Ooh. And it was not only inspirational in the medical field, but also in the theater. The theater. Yeah. The song Radium Dance... Which I showed you. Yes, and I was thinking maybe that could either be like the end cap or maybe we could put yeah. like a section of it in here or something. We'll find a way to weave it in because, you know, it's, it's a nice little bop. Yeah, but this song had become a huge hit after being featured in the Broadway musical Piff, Paff, Poof. Piff, Paff, Poof. Yeah, and I was trying really hard to figure out what the, like, plot behind this was. But all it said was that this performance was dubbed as a musical cocktail, and it opened in New York on April 2nd, 1904. I wonder if it was just, just like, a musical kind of thing, less mm-hmm. theater-based, but more of, like, just a musical medley. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, also, radium was advertised to be <laughs> used in chicken feed in the hopes that the egg would self-incubate, or at least self-cook, but I don't think they... <laughs> I don't think that actually happened. I think it was just, like, a thought process. That's amazing. That makes me wonder, like, if you had a safe version of radium. You, like, you know how, like, Ford was going to do that nuclear-powered car, you know? What? I didn't know about that. I can't remember what it's called, but there was, like, there was a concept car they did in, like, the 60s where there was a tiny little nuclear generator. Nuclear generator. Imagine if you got in a car crash and it's, like, oh, near the city. Just, oh my gosh, it would like destroy like, the blocks of the city, or like three blocks of the city. Like, it's like, hey, I'm walking in. <laughs> then you, all your friends and family within like a five mile radius are just dead. They're just vaporized, it's over. But the gas uh, mileage, top notch. It was so notch. good. 
Um, yeah, I, that's maybe another really interesting topic. <laughs> well, you know, that would be one. And then also what they actually do on some spacecraft, which this is really rare and I don't actually know why you would do this really, but some people have nuclear powered spacecraft so that you don't mm. have to do deployable solar arrays. Interesting. Didn't, doesn't SpaceX want to have their spacecrafts be reusable or something like that? They already are reusable. Okay. This but, is yeah. a bit of a side tangent, but. Well, they're building one that's fully reusable in mm. Texas right now. Um, and that one's going to be dope. Dope. Definitely does not use nuclear power though. Damn it. Yeah. All right. Well, as the world descended into World War One, another use for radium came into focus. <laughs> Gassing the Germans! Throwing <laughs> <laughs> the mustard gas on them with a nice little <laughs> taste of cancer! <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, no, not used to gas Germans. Um, nice try. I, I really, nice I was so sure. Um, but it was actually, um, radium power, powder was mixed with glue and zinc sulfide, a mixture that was called undark, um, and then this could be used on watches and clocks to illuminate uh. in the dark during this war, or during the war. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you wouldn't have to shine a light, you would just, like, kind of like a digital watch kind e- of. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. And, it, like you said, it kind of provided ease for the soldiers because they didn't have to you know, carry extra belongings for light, they could just look at their watches. Isn't this a whole trope of the whole radium story of, like, women painting the watch Mm -hmm. face and, yeah. Yep, that's the whole thing. And actually, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that soon. Don't you worry. Won't, I won't. Yeah. So, around this time, the radium, okay, Radium Luminous Materials Corporation was founded in 1914. Wait, can I pause? Yes. I mean, I don't want to say, can I pause you? Because you're not me. I'm not there to command you. Yes. But, have you noticed that every company from this era has just a dog shit name? Like, (laughs) Luminous Materials Corp. Like, it's... Yeah. So many syllables. I know. And it's like... Like, even the acronym, or the RLMC, like, that doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't. It's like IBM. You know, I can say that instantly. Whereas yeah. it's like the RBLs. And and even, not that we've solved this problem, because SpaceX, which we were just talking about, mm-hmm. do you know the real name of SpaceX? No, what is it? It's Space Exploration Technologies Corporation. I'm glad they went with SpaceX. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. And, like, the this company gets renamed, and it's still, like, a really shitty name. They do I, these. Oh my I don't god! Know. This was well before William Shockley founded Silicon Valley <laughs> and trendy names. Yeah, trendy names became a thing yeah. around William Shockley's time in Silicon Valley. Even though Shockley Semiconductor, not that great a name. Yeah, it really wasn't. What was the other name of the other company that the Fairchild Semiconductor? I think a slightly better name. I kind of like it better than Shockley Semi Semiconductor. Yeah, that's just me. Fairchild. I kind of like that. Fair child. It's like, oh, you're my you're my fair little child. You're which, my little child child. You're, you're my, my little, little child boy. slave. You're my little boy slave. <laughs> you're from my Athens. little boy slave. You're my little Get over slave your boy. Little boy slave. <laughs> it's like that childish Gambino lyric where he's like, y'all fuck boys like Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, we are going off the rails here. <laughs> we are. We are. I shouldn't drink coffee. I know you really. <laughs> At like 5 p.m. <laughs> 
my god. Oh, okay. You are too fun, Chipperoni. Thanks, Closey Dosey. <laughs> I hated that so much. Tried it out, you know. It's, I didn't it's like not it. gonna stick. It's not. Yeah. But you know, what didn't stick was. What did stick? What did stick was Dr. Sabine Arnold von Sachki and Dr. George S. Willis that founded this Radium Luminous Materials Corporation in 1914. Nice. And they actually opened facilities in Orange in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, the company was renamed to the United States Radium Corpora- Corporation after George Willis sold a large share of his stock to the company treasurer, Arthur Roeder. And not long after that, both Willis and von Sachki were unceremoniously ousted in a corporation takeover. Ooh. Yeah, so I guess I guess he didn't stick. <laughs> he did the opposite of stick. Yeah, so like I said, the company was renamed United States Radium Corporation, still a shitty name. Pretty bad name. Um, and Arthur Roeder became president. And you know, sorry. I hate this guy. You'll find out. Arthur Roeder? Yeah, he's a dick. Is he like a Bill Shockley type? Um, no, because I feel like Shockley was kind of like um, on the spectrum, and it was like there was something yeah not you don't wired, want to blame right? him as much yeah. Whereas um, Arthur Roeder is not is like he's just a dick. He's is, just evil. To and and just is Arthur Roeder the kind of person I'm imagining like a ruthless businessman kind yes. of guy. Okay. Yes. Let's just put it this way. A little teaser. Um, women's jaws were falling off, and he was like, "Hook." Oh, Nothing to do over here. Not not Uh-oh. us. I'm gonna fabricate some shit to make it not us. I hate that. And yeah. I and it's the total opposite of was it LA Aqueduct where the guy said, you know, William Mulholland maybe mm-hmm. who said, Yeah, my fault. Oh no, he didn't He didn't <laughs> he didn't Who was the guy who said it was his fault? William Mulholland said it was he was like, My bad, I'm gonna retire. Arthur Roeder yeah, was like That's what I'm saying. He was not like that at all. So big contrast. Yeah. Actually I was when I was doing research on Arthur Roeder, I saw his um uh his he had a page like dedicated to like himself like when he died like an an obituary yeah and one of the comments was like i love that this guy or i love that this guy covered up the radiums girls um illnesses oh no illnesses and deaths what a great guy or something like sarcastic he's getting slandered even to this day yeah and i was like this was before i really like did a deep dive on this guy and i was like well the guy's dead maybe just kind of you know don't don't speak ill of the dead and then i read about him and i was like so close to just being like i fucking hate this guy i'm glad he's dead he's running oh boy he's folks if you come across an obituary of this guy and there's a mean comment from not engineering history (laughs) podcast you know that it wasn't us yeah Oh, anyway, I haven't even heard anything. <laughs> I've heard maybe a teaser. Let's get into it. Yeah, so around 1920, a similar radium business was opened in Chicago, Illinois, called the Radium Dial Company. That's pretty good. That's a good name. Yeah, but it, it was kind of unrelated. It was another, like, sure. radium dial company. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy that they would be that bold. <laughs> yeah, but it was later moved to Ottawa, Illinois, to be closer to its major, um, uh, like, provider. Or, you know, like a... a producer whatever uh whatever manufacturer manufacturer yeah west clocks clocks company the what west clocks 
Clock's company. I think they could have done with one clock in there. Or just, like, clock. (laughs) We sell this. That would be, like, a Silicon Valley startup name, like, clock. (laughs) You know, um, have you seen Parks and Rec? I've seen everything except for the last season. Oh, well, the last season, um, who's the guy with the mustache? Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. I'm so, like, tired. It's been a long day at work, man. But Ron Swanson, like, opens, like, a business that's, like, we sell good stuff or something <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> Dude, okay, actually, can I tangent us off that tangent? Yeah. Last night, I was thinking about this podcast when I was in the shower, you know, like, mm-hmm. shower thoughts? Yeah. And I was like, what if eventually, instead of advertisers... We founded an engineering company that, like, made stuff, you know? And we mm-hmm. sold it kind of through the podcast. So we'd be like, if you want to buy something, you can buy it through the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We would just make kind of home trinkets or whatever whatever you would want, right? Interesting. I, I've always had a love for just kind of home. You know, I, high technology is great and everything. But mm-hmm. something about, like, buying stuff for the home that I really like. This yeah. isn't a sales pitch, by the way. I have nothing left. I, <laughs> no, sorry, I have nothing planned. <laughs> I have nothing left. What if we made tiny nuclear generators? <laughs> that sounds way harder than what I was thinking in the mm-hmm. shower. So, and and we should table the, the nuclear thing because that's a great <laughs> idea. And I think they actually sell that for spacecraft. Mm-hmm. But what I was thinking was we have in our bathroom a sort of shower area where you can put shampoo and stuff on the, on the shelf, you know? Mm-hmm. And I use Old Spice 3-in-1. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just my admission to the world, um, and it doesn't quite fit on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what if I made like a holder for it that would like suction cup onto it, right? And I was thinking about all this, and I was like, what would I call it if we were selling it all the podcast? And for some reason, I just started reciting this thing called like it would be called wash your balls. <laughs> <laughs> I started reciting this sales pitch where I was like, wash your balls. <laughs> I was like. You don't have balls? Wash your pussy. Wash your pussy. We got your pussy too. And then it was like, the wash your balls was going to be like a square one. That was like the male branded one. And then there was like, wash your pussy, which had like feminine curves. This is like a soap holder. And then if you wanted his and hers set, you could do a round and a, and a square. But then it's like, it's 2021. So it's like, we could do, you know... Two squares, which is like the gay ball washing, and then the circles, which is like the lesbian pushy washing. And then I was like, what if you're like a trans uh, gender person Mm -hmm. and you have like the square base, but then you have like the the round Mm -hmm. top or whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe you have a partner who transitioned the other way. And so they have the round base with the square top. Oh and you're God. washing whatever you got, <laughs> and we're just washing our balls. I haven't made this we're at all. We're just all washing our balls. We're washing, or our pussies, or whatever, you know? Or just whatever's down there. I haven't made, I don't, you know, I have no immediate plans to do any of this, but I was just sitting in the shower <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, the commercial. Wash your balls! That was going to be, that was just going to be like, wash your balls? <laughs> or your pussy, or whatever's down oh there. God. I mean, we don't do ask questions. <laughs> Want you to wash your nether. And maybe you maybe it's like a scorched earth kind of there's nothing left. Whatever you have, you know? Just 
burned it just all. Just burned up. it all. You should wash that too. Yeah, your your private parts deserve to be washed. That's how I feel, and and that's how I would be doing it if right now I'm putting my three in one on the ground, but then I have to lean yeah. down. Anyway, I'll probably just make one for myself. But I love that idea. Thank you. I'm. It's not going to be for sale anytime soon, you know. So just don't get your hopes up, but. <laughs> I just like saying, wash your balls. Wash your... You should just just start saying it unironically, like at work and in social <laughs> settings. Just like, hey guys, wash your balls. I'm not sure how well that would go over. I don't think um, it would go well at all. And maybe we could do like a soap that's like radium infused soap or something. Ooh, yeah, that would be fun. I mean, we wouldn't get it FDA approved, but... Look, I mean, that's what Etsy is for, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, But speaking of radium, mm -hmm. I totally forgot what the hell we were talking about. Sorry, I realize I just totally derailed us. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. The West Clocks Clocks Company. Stupid name. We'll just call it the clock. The clock. Clock. Cock. Wash it. Anyways. So around the time that this company opened, many of the women in New Jersey were dealing with the effects of radium and starting their lawsuits. So what what were they experiencing? Um ooh. Horrible, horrible pain. Uh oh. Like it was bad. But I mean I can get into the details later. I kinda wanna talk about like, what was so enticing about this job, you know? Sure. Because there were a lot of great benefits to being a watch painter. It was very sought after for young women in New Jersey because the hours were decent and the pay was great compared to a lot of the other um, kind of uh, minimum wage jobs. Were they just making money hand over fist? Oh, yeah. They were paying these women. Like, a lot of the women came from, like, very kind of, humble beginnings and they were able to buy things like like fancy clothes pearls nice shoes and stuff like that Damn. yeah so it, like it was like like women would like fight over this job like this was like top of the top you wanted to to be a, a watch dial painter there's something sort of poetic and almost like kind of archetypal about that where it's like the job you want and that gives you the lifestyle you think you need is mm-hmm. what kills you, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of irony. Well, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> but also at the time radium working with radium was considered like cool because it was a wonder element and it was considered to be beneficial for your health. I wonder if there's a parallel to like Silicon Valley here. Uh what do you mean? like coding and it's like maybe they'll find out that like you sit down coding all day and you're like you know just breaking your back you know or whatever yeah or like they're kind of figuring that out with teflon now because they're like sure teflon Teflon, you know the the, no but the people who work on teflon are not getting paid and they're not like a cool job you know yeah well i mean not not necessarily the the workers are but like how it's like the like a really great product to have. Or sure. Yeah. You know, like no, you're right. Waterproof everything. There. Yeah. You know. Our pants. My pants I'm wearing right now probably have some Teflon in there. Yeah. So it's like a, like the radium of the 21st century, yeah. but it's also slowly poisoning everyone. And literally everyone. We should we we should pause yes. it, but definitely do, we'll do a well, podcast. Oh on that. yeah. 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 Um. So each paint dialer had a flat tray filled with watches. 
and their own supply of radium dust. And the dial painters would mix their own paint, dab a little bit of the radium powder um, onto it, and add a dash of water and gum adhesive to keep the paint on the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, to avoid painting outside the numbers on the watch, the woman would have to use a lip pointing technique for their brush. So they would they would dab into the radium and then kind of like uh, put it in their mouth to sharpen up the, the the point of the brush so they could, you know, get get the uh, get the numbers down correctly. And it, like it's so weird because the uh, this book that I read about, the the radium girls which is called radium girls um like the women said that it didn't like the radium didn't taste like anything Hmm. and that like it was actually like radium was considered good for your health so they were actually happy to be consuming it i remember yeah you told me yeah it's so weird and it it's just really like kind of it yeah yeah it just makes me think what we don't know you know yeah but um, this technique was not used in Europe, but was actually brought over from China. Hmm. This kind of lip pointing mm-hmm. uh, technique to paint inside the numbers. Right. Um, and some of the women were hesitant about putting radium in the mouse, but were told by their employers that it was safe. And um, they were even called ghost girls at one point because the radium would get on their clothes, skin, and hair, which would literally make them glow. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel like there's an alternate universe where radium is good for you and these women are like girl bosses. Mm. Yeah, I would love to live in that because it gets really fucking sad and dark from this point on. Um, So among the first victims of radium poisoning was a woman named Amelia... Her nickname was Molly uh, Maggie. She worked at uh, the USRC in Orange, New Jersey, and her first symptom was a really bad toothache, which was removed. Um, But the tooth next to it um, was uh, dealing with the same kind of pain, so it was also removed. Um, But eventually, painful ulcers filled with pus and blood developed where the removed teeth were. The mysterious malady developed along her entire lower jaw, which eventually had to be completely removed. And it didn't stop there because it moved to other parts of her body, basically slowly, like, disintegrating her bones while she was still alive. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, like, attacking her joints. There was, like, there's a picture of, um, like, a swollen joint that that has, like, skin like bursting open and there's one one picture of a woman whose like entire jaw is like the size of a football oh my god yeah and she died on september 12th my mom's birthday in 1922 after suffering a massive hemorrhage and no one really knew what no one figured out it was radium poisoning until later on and since Molly was a single woman living by herself. The doctors assumed she had contracted syphilis and died as a result, but this was not the case. Of course. Yeah. And over time, some of the former employees at the USRC in New Jersey and Illinois suffered similar pains. And it would start in the jaw for the most part and spread to other parts of the body. Um, sometimes it would, sometimes, uh, 
it would like the women would notice like their joints and their their knees and legs would be very painful be almost impossible to walk because it was so painful there's one woman who was basically put in a in a full like lower body cast for six months Uh because it was supposed to help kind of uh heal her joints and it did for a while and then it didn't because radium yeah poisoning doesn't work like that Um, yeah and but the majority of women it would start like in their teeth and they would get their teeth removed um in the hopes that would help with their pain but eventually like ulcers would form and pus and blood would form where the ulcers and former teeth were and they'd just have to get more more and more teeth removed until eventually most of the women didn't like didn't have teeth god imagine if this was happening in your factory where you work and like you see it happening to other people and you know it's probably going to happen to you and mm-hmm. there's nothing it, the damage is done like mm-hmm. you can't do anything at this point yeah i think that was that it's really weird because reading about this a lot of the fear and frustration that these women felt was not knowing what was killing them and yeah. so a, a big kind of weight off of their shoulders was finally kind of understanding what was wrong with them because then they could take action against uh whoever caused this to them because you don't just randomly have your jaw fall off yeah of course or you know like lose all your teeth like it there's uh, a cause behind it and that was probably what was really freaking them out the most because they didn't know what the cause was it's nice to know that they had well we haven't gotten there yet and maybe you know we you, Maybe this is incorrect, but hopefully they did have some maybe measure of, you know, once they found out, you know, they were able to, you know, take action, you know, if only to avenge themselves pretty much. Yeah. And so to kind of get behind the science of, science of this a little bit, like we talked about in the previous episode, radium kind of has like alpha, beta and gamma um, particles. Alpha doesn't go like past the skin or anything. Beta can't go past like lead and gamma uh what was it uh no no no. Uh, beta can't go past wood and gamma can't go past lead or something so the argument that the um usrc was saying was that you know it's alpha particles it's not supposed to be harmful to these women but since they were ingesting it, mm. it that's what really like uh kind of at- attacked their body because it was it was going into their bodies and not just so because they're saying this they're therefore liable and are willing to give large amounts of money to these women well it was kind of a fight for them (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and radium is kind of like already in our bones but since these women were ingesting such large amounts of well not large amounts but like tiny amounts of radium every day for for multiple months or years it like accumulated and would attack their their bones mainly their jaw first because that's where it would all yeah. kind of center and then eventually like the joints and legs and and every like their whole body it's crazy to think that you could take something that's already inside you it's inside your bones mm-hmm. and then just put it in another part of you and that's harmful you know yeah well too much of anything is yeah. a bad thing yeah for sure i guess the same can be said for radium Yes. <laughs> that makes me wonder if there's an amount of radium that would be good for you. I think um, if you get, like, bone cancer. Yeah. 
That you know, probably that the that's... amount that's already in you is good for you. Yeah, I think you should just leave radium. <laughs> Keep it how it is. Call. Yeah, just don't. I don't think you don't need rock to. the boat. <laughs> there's there's many things in life that I feel like you don't really need to have an sure. excess of. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, one doctor, Harrison Stanford Martland, who we will praise throughout this podcast. Pierre level or Oh no, no. Pierre okay. was god tier. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like B B minus. Uh, I'd say A to B. Um, okay. All right. Compared to the other men in this story, he was like an a, he's like an A. Okay. Um he hypothesized that it was the radium affecting the women. Sure. Because that was kind of the only, you know, Thing it consistent would have been. Out, yeah, yeah. Uh and at the time, there was really only one way to test if someone had radium poisoning, and that was to burn their bones into Ooh. ash. <laughs> I can see why that wouldn't be optimal. Yeah, and so the but living... Wait. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say the living people were, like, not into that. Sure. So they had to figure something else out. Didn't they already have a bunch of... Had anybody died at this point? Uh... Yeah, a few people had died, but they were, like, already buried, and just a lot of... Get her out. This is science. Yeah, I mean, they could probably prove that the dead women, like, the dead women had died of radium poisoning, but at that point, like, it it really wouldn't help in, like, a lawsuit or anything. They could only really uh, go after the the USRC company for the women who were living currently. Right, okay, fair enough, sure. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so Martlin designed and constructed a contraption that would test the sick women's breath for radon gas. Radon gas. Yeah, and with the help of Von Sochki, who was going like scorched earth on this company because they had outed him as president, um, they came up... Oh, oh, Von Sochki is the guy who... Arnold, sorry? Or Alfred or whatever? Arthur... uh, yeah, Arthur. He replaced him, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So this guy is going to the light side now. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of already didn't like that the women were using the lip point method. Sure. He actually came, like went up to one of the employees and was like, you probably shouldn't be doing that. See, that's very problematic because that means he had reservations but didn't do jack shit about it. Yeah, I think maybe, I don't know, like what his motives were with helping with this. Either he felt guilty because he was also kind of dying at the time of radium poisoning, or if he was just like, fuck this company. Maybe he was like a tragic hero where like at the end he realized he had done wrong and he decided to use his last kind of time to try. Anakin. I wasn't going to say Anakin, (laughs) but I'm so glad you picked up that thread. Like he's doomed. He's not getting out of there, but he can save his son. And he does, <laughs> and he's redeemed. Yeah. Well, so the the method that they came up with was an expired air method, and it would require the patient to blow through a series of bottles into an electroscope, so that radon could be measured in their breath. Right. The problem with this was that um, the women that they were testing on were really. Oh, excuse me. I burped. The women that they were testing on <laughs> were really, really weak and couldn't really breathe hard Ooh. into like a into yeah. the contraption for very long. But these fucking women, they Fuck yeah. did it. 
Let's it was go. two sisters actually. Nice. And they were just like, we want to know what the fuck is going on. So they breathed as long and hard as they could. Fuck yeah, they did. And uh, they were positive for radon gas on their breath. Uh-oh. So, sorry, and I, I know this is... Pro- I'm guessing that radon gas is a radium derivative. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember in the office, Toby was always worried about radon poisoning. Oh, that's my old, That's the only <laughs> that's time I've ever heard that word said, so I know nothing else about radon. Yeah. Oh, you know what else is really fucking sad about this? So with, with, like, this company that hired these women, a lot of these women would refer their siblings uh, or, like, close family members. Yeah. And their close family members and siblings would get hired. And basically, like, entire families would, like, die. That's so fucked up. Yeah. Like, you lost your daughter? Yeah. Nah, you lost both your, or maybe all three of your daughters. Yeah, like, and these... probably, yeah. These two women were sisters, the only sisters to their parents. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're only children to their parents, and they were both sick and, like, about to God. die. This is so, like, you know... Sorry, I realize I'm totally shifting a lot here, but I just... I don't know why it just hit me so hard when you said that. Yeah, that was really, really sad for me, too, because there was this one woman whose life was, like, horribly tragic. Like, her parents died, and then she was, like, in and out of foster care, and I think she was eventually adopted by her cousin, and then her cousin got this gig at um, the USRC as a dial paint watcher, and then she got her that job and then she watched her cousin slowly die yeah. and she's like well i guess you know i'm next yeah exactly god but um this evidence that they found that radon gas was tested positive and for in their breath um they were able to use this as evidence to start their lawsuit um and so yeah, I like I said, I previously mentioned this earlier, or I mentioned this earlier that the alpha particles couldn't penetrate their skin, but since they were ingesting it, um, it would get into their bodies and kind of slowly work its way through their bones until, you know, their jaws fell off. Um, and that's where a lot of the pain would start was in their mouths and they would get their teeth removed and then, you know, it was just really, really bad. Yeah, the um the woman actually one of the women who had their jaws fall off um after it was removed the dentist noticed that the bone had turned black after the woman died oh. and it had eroded away. Oh my god! It was god. so brittle that parts of it had fallen off when the doctor <sighs> touched it, like it was dust. Jesus. This doctor is actually kind of weird. I don't know why. After this woman's jaw fell off, he put it in his desk. That's odd. Yeah. That's a weird thing. <laughs> My only consolation is that it definitely gave him cancer. Yeah. But fuck this guy anyway. It's really weird. It, I don't think it gave him cancer. I Like, he just put it in his desk, and then after the this woman who died, who had her jaw removed, he, like, took it out, and it was, like, half a jaw, and it was black. And Why did he keep it? I don't know. Why would, I feel like it gave him cancer, because why would that not still have radium in it? Oh, maybe it did. I don't know. It better have. I don't know. But it was really, really weird. Um, That's odd. I, You know what? It would almost be... Well, this would definitely be weirder. Okay. Well, let me back up. I feel like it's really fucking weird that he kept it in his drawer, you said? Desk drawer. In his desk yeah. drawer. 
What would be even weirder, but probably would have saved him from cancer, is if he made a paperweight out of it. And then people would be like, what is that in your paperweight? And he'd be like, that's the jaw of a woman who came to see me. And it's now on my desk. And they'd be like, why am I still talking to you? <laughs> I should find a different I dentist. I should find a different dentist. But like, <laughs> this is that, weird. <laughs> it's weird. And it's like that exact same scenario happened, except it was in his desk. So his patients never knew that this dude was a fucking weirdo. I think it was just so bizarre, you know, because. Yeah. How... I mean, it's bizarre, but like, let's say that somebody's foot turns green or something and they have to get amputated a green foot that's a weird thing i'm a doctor i'm not keeping that at my desk okay but imagine if the bones were green i extra would not yeah do that I, I, know. I feel no desire whatsoever. Bro, there were no regulations back in the 20s like it was Who like a... regulations? that's just weird that's if that has to be illegal for you to not do it you need to seek help Okay, fair enough. I just thought it was real. I thought it was really weird. It was too. a great story. It's just really it's odd. Just a weird side. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it even more, like maybe like, well, I think he. My thought process was he was saving it as evidence because it was something he had never seen okay, before. Sure. But, yeah, okay, sure. But um, maybe send it to like a lab. A lab. Put it in like, storage. Don't put yeah. it in your desk drawer. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? He's like. His, like, kids come over and he's like, hey, you want to see something really fucking weird? And yeah, he, dad. He just pulls out a bone that, like, turns to dust in his hands. And, and he's the kids like, go like, yay! Now sniff it. Uh, <laughs> let's get fucking high! I'm going to make it really dark. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> these women not only experienced horrible painful deaths but it was slow too like it was over the course of um months if not years if if they were lucky it was months but most of the time it was just years jesus you have to imagine that some of them thought about just like why am i even still here you know yeah i think the when the lawsuit um there were uh, two lawsuits for in new jersey when those came to fruition it was like kind of like a a fighting reason you know a reason to stay alive sure yeah get some measure of justice yeah so i wanted to go a little bit into um detail about the the men behind all of this because most of them most of them are just kind of like absolute dickheads but then there are a few that are not like god level like pierre but like king status you know that's not that's nothing to sniff at that's that's decent yeah like i'd say von sochki is probably like maybe b to c yeah i I feel we don't know his motives yeah but martland he was like gung-ho like protecting these women and helping them out he's a tier a tier are we thinking a light to decent a i'd say a light to decent a for sure okay but um yeah, Von Scotchy eventually he died. <laughs> he um, uh oh. He was uh, doing a lot Answer. of yeah. He well, he was doing a lot of work with radioactive dust, and um, it eventually entered his system, attacked his bones, and prevented his marrow from making red blood cells. And even though he had multiple blood transfusions, it did not help him, and yeah. he ultimately died of aplastic anemia, anemia, which is a disease where the b- body fails to produce blood cells in sufficient numbers. But 
Um, luckily, he had some time to kind of help out Martland with his uh, contraption to test if the women actually had radium in their system. Jesus, that's stark. Yeah. And now we're going to F-tier levels. Arthur Roeder, who Fuck actually makes me kind of ashamed to be a civil engineer because he was a civil engineer. Oh, a stain on the profession. I know. I know. I'm, I am I saw that and I was like, oh, shit, I might have to uh, might change have to switch profession. to industrial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not mechanical. Gosh, could not be me. <laughs> But Arthur Roeder was born in New Jersey in 1884, and he studied civil engineering at Cornell University. Uh, He worked as a junior civil engineer and was a successful salesman during the years of 1907 to 1910. Uh, He also worked as a watch manufacturer from 1910 to 1918. He became treasurer and later president of the uh, USRC, the United States Radium Corporation, um, from the years of 1918 to 1926. And his time with this company is marked with conspiracy and cover-up of the effects of radium exposure to the women dial painters. It's a doozy. Yeah, it's a doozy. I don't, I don't like talking about this, but it has to be said. So, Marguerite Carlo was one of the women affected by radium poisoning. She brought a lawsuit against the USRC, and um, the company's reputation was at risk. Sure, and, I can see that. Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> when you give your employees cancer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Arthur Roeder understood that this would eventually affect the sales for his company. You don't say! <laughs> Um, and around the same time, there was also an investigation into the luminescent paint um, when the lawsuit was filed. And the investigation was led by uh, Dr. Hoffman. And despite Rhoda's pleas to not do a study or investigation, Hoffman went ahead with it. God. Yeah. Um, during the first few Ill- illnesses that the girls suffer, um, this was kind of at the beginning before the Hoffman investigation, Roeder wanted to clear his company's name, so he did. He decided to do hire um, his own kind of investigator, and that's where Doctor Cecil Drinker comes in. Drinker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's kind of a wishy-washy. I don't really. Doctor Cecil Drinker is like C tier. C tier. Are we thinking late to decency or a late C to maybe a strong D? I'd say like just a solid C. Okay. All right. Um, because like he, he's very thorough. He, he like went through the process and everything. And he made this report that it was very clear, um, and concise about like, uh, what was going on and it was radium. And then he's like, but I don't want to like put it out in the public without your consent. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I I almost hurt your feelings. Yeah. And like part of the investigation that Dr. Cecil Drinker did, um, he did uh, kind of like blood tests and those came back as normal, but he only did blood tests with the women that were currently working there. He didn't do blood tests with the former employees. That's shoddy science. Yeah. And those blood tests, like I said, they came back normal. And the vice president at USRC, Ann Roeder, only took those blood samples to the Department of Labor. So the company was cleared of any bad rumors. So they kind of... uh, Got off scot-free. Yeah. They kind of uh, lied a little bit there. 
And so, yeah, Dr. Drinker, he, like, I don't think he knew about what was going on with the Department of Labor that um, Rotor had only showed the blood samples. Um, so he washed his hands. He's like, I did my work. You do whatever with it that you want to. Basically. Um, but he, a lot of his colleagues, um, it didn't sit well with them that Dr. Drinker had, you know, sh- like, showed these reports and was basically kind of withholding this information. Sure. Um, like Dr. Alice Hamilton and Catherine Wiley, who is secretary of the Consumers League, um, they both helped in his Dr. Drinker's investigation, and they thought it was highly unethical that he waited for the consent from Rotor before publishing the report. They're, yeah. they're the only ones with some balls on I this know. The These two queens are A-tier. A-tier, easily. Dare, dare I say... Tier? Well, no, well, okay, definitely I mean, well, queen tier. <laughs> definitely okay. queen tier. Queen tier, I will take it. Um, yeah, I mean, like they felt uneasy about the um, implications about not publishing sure. his report, and so they came up with a plan. They reached out to. Uh, they came up with a plan. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I yeah. did it once. I don't need to do it again. <laughs> um, and they reached out to John Roach, who was the uh, Department of Labor's deputy, com- deputy commissioner at the time, and asked him to request drinkers' results from Rotor. But here's the catch. The women uh, did not realize that the USRC had already given misleading information about the blood tests to the Department of Labor. And they were told that the company was in clear, was it, well, is it, was in the clear. And so they're like, that's kind of suspicious. That's like not. That's a lot. It's a little odd. But in the spring of 1925, despite Rotor's many attempts to dissuade Hoffman from publishing his investigation, going back to Hoffman's investigation after the drinker right. investigation, um, the company was under fire. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. Um, Hoffman published his investigation and the company was under fire because the American Medical Association had published everything Hoffman had, yeah. had had done with the company. People know at this point. People know, yeah. So the drinker's report still isn't out? Uh, not at this time, no. I don't believe so. From From my research, I don't believe it was out at the time. But when John Roach... Deputy Commissioner of the Department of Labor, um, found out about the investigation um, and that his report was given to him by the USRC was whitewashed, he promptly reached out to Rotor for the full drinker report. It's kind of crazy that you don't, like, immediately get, like, arrested or something. Like, why why are you allowed to do that and still run a company? It was the 20s. Actually, no, because, like, Elizabeth Holmes did super shady shit like this, too. But, like, I feel like with Holmes, though, people kind of jumped on her when they realized what it was, you know? Yeah, I think maybe it was... God, I would love to do just a podcast on that. That'd be a great podcast. It's it's recent history. Yeah. It's... I I don't know. I don't know. But... Ooh. That was not a satisfying can open. It wasn't. I was really disappointed. 
Ooh, that wasn't bad. Ooh, I kind of like that. Yeah. What were we talking about again? Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, bitch. Which, I believe she goes by, I want to say Liz. Good for her. Um, I'd like to call her a horrible human being. Look, not to tangent us too much, because I'm kind of invested in the story. I know, me too. I just think that at least she thought she was doing the right thing. Um, she definitely did not. <laughs> I think that she got in over her head. Not that she thought she was doing the right thing, but it's like that thing of, like, you have a goal and you get obsessed with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it starts to cloud your judgment. Anyway, maybe we should save this for another We podcast. should definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, guess what Roder's response was to John Roach uh-huh. about the drinker report? What was his response? No, I want you to guess. Oh, uh... I would say that he was like, you're wrong, you know? Like, that's a totally separate thing. I'm just, I'm a victim of circumstance. Um, uh, I don't, no, no, it wasn't. Um, Roeder told him that, that he needed to contact the company lawyers. Oh, <laughs> He's just like, I'm done talking about this. Yeah, I don't want to deal My with it. My lawyer will see you out. Mm-hmm. God. Basically, I'm you know I'm reading a book right now about the Toyota Corporation. Mm-hmm. Really good book. Yeah. Sounds like a great company, and in my mind, just as we're going through this, I'm kind of thinking about like what Toyota would have done, you know? Oh, interesting. They went through this period in like the I think the 30s where like you know there were these layover or sorry these layoffs that yeah. were totally not the CEO's fault at all. It was totally mm. just, it was like lead up to World War One kind of shit, you know, or World War Two kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And the guy was like, no. He, like, resisted the layoffs forever, and then he, like, started working without a salary for a long time. Bro. And then he, like, laid people off, and then he made sure they all came back, and then once they were all back, he was like, I failed you. I'm resigning. <gasps> and then he left the company, because he's like, if someone's got to go down, it's going to be me, and yes. someone needs to take responsibility that's what the fuck i am talking about yeah it's just insane to see these like widely varying like you know just same time period you know that's like that's that's insane because this guy clearly is just trying to get out of it i don't know maybe he just is so overcome with the power yeah it sounds like this guy's just a little little bitch boy yeah and he's like Oh, some woman's jaw fell off. Yeah. And, like, all these other former employees' bones are cracking. You know, like, it doesn't seem like it's that bad. I bet this guy (laughs) was, like, just waiting until 4.30 p.m. so he could go to the country club Mm -hmm. with the club's daddy bought him, you know? Yeah, exactly. I will say, Arthur Roeder bad guy if you want to write something on his obituary (laughs) i would not be opposed (laughs) i think that would be i say you know fuck this guy but also let the dead rest no not this one (laughs) this one i can't let go (laughs) you know i just think it's bad juju that's all i'm saying yeah you know who is a solid 10 out of 10 dare i say a tier pierre no, Pierre is God tier. He, he, right. he transcends. He's not even on the, the same plane, you yeah. feel, right? <laughs> Raymond Barry. Who, Who's still great, I guess. Yes, he was the lawyer for the Radium Girls. Fuck yeah. Um, and he, he actually took on the women's case when Grace Fryer decided to sue the company. Nice. Four other women of the same medical uh, problems were also added to the case. Their names were 
Edna Hussman, Hussman, uh, Catherine Schwab, and the sisters Quinta McDonald and Albina Larice. And I, th- I believe these were the same women that had to breathe into the right. the contraption. To, yeah, all that, all that goodness. Sure. So the first big hurdle uh, that the lawsuit in New Jersey would have to face was the two-year statute of limitations. Barry contended that the statute applied from the moment the women learned about the source of their problems, not from the date they quit working the U.S. Radium Corporation. 100%. Yeah. Barry alleged that the USRC's misrepresentation of scientific opinion and campaign of misinformation was the reason that the women were not informed and did not take legal action within the statute of limitations. Makes sense to me. The USRC attorneys... (laughs) They responded by, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a few guesses. They responded by a, they agreed with Barry, and <laughs> they agreed with Barry, um, and took full, full responsibility for their company's um, terrible actions. Mm-hmm. B cried, pissed, and shit their pants. <laughs> or C. Um, attacked Barry's character and threatened charges before the bar. You know, as much as I wish it was A, <laughs> or frankly B, <laughs> I'm going to say it was probably C. There was a fourth option, which was both B and C. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to keep that now one that you in my it, head. <laughs> you keep it rolling. I like it. I like it. I like to think they cried, pissed, and shit their pants. All at once? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, basically they were just like, Barry's not a very good guy. (laughs) Well, look who you're working for, buddy. I know, that was their whole, that was their whole plan. But, um, the one thing that was also working against them was time. Because these women were getting very sick, um, and the case was getting drawn out for a very long time. And it was a they were concerned that they that the women would die before they had a chance to finish their case, which is actually what happened to um Marguerite Carlo. Oh, my god, that's that's so tragic. Yeah, she died before her case could really see the light of day. Jesus. But the USRC's legal team was also doing their damnedest to prolong the fucking case. Of course they were. At one point, the judge had adjourned the case until September, and um, Barry, feared that his clients would not last until September, pleaded with the judge, saying that the that um, he knew other lawyers that would move their cases so they could meet sooner. Fuck yeah. Yeah. The USRC's attorneys argued that their witnesses were on vacation in Europe and will oh, be free until September. Oh, they're taking their little European vacation as their employees... <laughs> Don't have mouths. <laughs> I, I just imagine, like, the women, like, I don't have a mouth I anymore. Know. And then, like, Arthur Roder's, like, just, like, sipping on a beach in right, Spain. Right, right. Like, oh, uh, how these, sad for you. These fucking whores. They yeah. think they can get money out of me. He's, like, shirtless, but he somehow still has a monocle on. You know? <laughs> Where does a monocle come out of, Arthur? Tell us. <laughs> My butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, obviously, time and then the statute of limitations was working against them. But one thing that was working for them was public favor. Fuck yeah, it was. And the public attention was growing more in the women's favor every day. 
And uh, Walter Littman published his editorials on Radium Girls, and public pressure on the USRC began to increase after he, uh, after Walter did his editorials. I think he worked for New York Times or something like that. He was some kind of journalist in the New York, New Jersey area. Cool. And uh, the is USR... he like the, the sorry? No, what are you gonna say? I was gonna ask, is he the John Kerry Rue of this uh, situation? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck you, Kerry Rue. Fuck, fuck you, Kerry Rue. <laughs> we gotta do that podcast. I know. <laughs> it's just an hour of us chanting "fuck you, Kerry Rue." <laughs> That's the bonus content. Yeah, um, and the USRC didn't want to deal with the bad publicity, so they decided to settle out of court with the five women. And Barry, being the boss-ass bad bitch that he was... Love this guy. ...was actually... He was kind of upset that the USRC wanted to settle out of court, and he sure. wanted to continue the case Yeah. In, in court, but understood that the women didn't have much time left. You're doing it for your client. You're, you're, you're doing what you can. Yeah, he was very frustrated with the outcome um, and kind of the payout that the... That USRC gave because um, USRC like they agreed to um, pay previous and future medical bills as well as ten thousand dollars to the women. How much is like ten thousand dollars in today's money? Ooh, that's a good question. Let's see. This was probably around mid nineteen twenties. Sure, let's say that. Okay. And, and I only asked just because it's like you know, like you hear like ten thousand. Like my initial thought of like ten thousand dollars, like that's like nothing, you know. That's what I was thinking. There was like um, like I was when I was reading this, it was like, oh, the uh hospital bill was like you know a couple hundred dollars, and it was like a couple hundred dollars is fucking amazing. But then you have yeah. to remember this is in the early. Yeah. 20th century. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just weird, you know. Um, so that's about one hundred and sixty-three thousand uh, dollars. That so. still seems low to me. That doesn't seem like that much for like your mouth fell off. Yeah, I mean, but this was to each of the five women, and they probably sure. didn't have a lot of time left. So I know. And, I'm uh, I'm, gl- I'm I'm glad they got something. I don't I don't mean to look a a gift horse in the mouth, you know. Yeah, but reading about some of these, like, I do agree, it's probably, it's not enough, because one of these women, like, she, like, her husband went into debt to pay the medical bills, they basically foreclosed on their house, and then his family foreclosed on their family home to pay for the the medical bills. The waves of suffering Mm -hmm. that this is causing is just, it, I, yeah, it's almost too much. Yeah. And don't forget, there's also Illinois. Illinois. Illinois has their own radium dial oh, company. Oh, so they do. And it was the same thing. Of course. They the employees began getting sick, and they asked for comp- uh, compensation for their medical and dental bills, but were f- refused by management. Of course. Um, the demand for money by the sick and dying former employees continued into the mid 1930s before a suit was brought before the Illinois Industrial Commission. And in 1937, five women found an attorney by the name of Leonard Grossman who would represent them in front of the commission. And in the spring of 1938, the Illinois Industrial Commission ruled in favor of the women. Hell yeah. But. Oh. <laughs> imagine. Okay. Question. Yeah. You are an attorney representing the interest of the radium dial company. Yes. Do you, A, 
admit your wrongdoing and give the women their money. B, appeal until it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. C, quit your job and just, you know, cherish your family and loved ones. Or D, some combination of all of the three, or all of the above. <laughs> I, I don't even know what a combination of the above like. Just, like, pick your, just pick whatever you want. I'm going to choose that I both spend time with my loved ones and give the women what they were owed. Well, you are a solid human being. <laughs> Whereas these people, this is why I can't stand lawyers. Um, they <laughs> actually um, appealed again and again until it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. But in the fall of 1931 or 1939, the Supreme Court decided not to hear the appeal and Whoa. the lower ruling was upheld. Fuck yeah. And they ended up paying out the uh To the their victims. one victim that was still alive. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, kind of a fun little side note. Um, uh, apparently, uh, Barry has, well, Raymond Barry fucked. Let's just say that. And he... The, the, clients no 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 no. Oh. he he has a great granddaughter <laughs> oh great <laughs> one of his, his great granddaughter is actually in a play about the radium girls really on broadway I wow think. Yeah. that's dude we should see it i kind of want to that's amazing and i was like why would you make a musical about the radium it's a musical. girls i believe it is yeah oh, wow but maybe then i saw maybe it's respectful I don't know. I really hope so. What's it called? I um I think it's just called Radium Girls Musical. That's a terrible name. <laughs> a play in two acts. <laughs> okay, that's that's okay. Yeah, I was thinking like people really make musicals about anything. Like yeah. Shrek is a musical. <laughs> Dude, I was one time not to sort of shake us out of the somber mood, mm-hmm. but at my orientation at my undergrad college where I met you, George Mason University, mm-hmm. I was in line and I saw a guy had a Shrek the Musical shirt on in front of me. Mm. So I was I just struck up a conversation. I was like, hey, were you in Shrek the Musical? And, you know, this is a tallish guy, you know, maybe, like, he's not as tall as me, but he's fairly tall <laughs> and somewhat skinny, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, I actually played Shrek. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's crazy. I... I don't take this the wrong way. I, I couldn't see you playing Shrek, really, you know? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm actually a method actor. I gained 50 pounds for the role. What the fuck? And then lost all of it. And I was like, holy crap, that, really? And you know, he's like, nah, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I was about to say, you don't have fat suits, right? I, no, he didn't play Shrek at all. He was like a fucking extra. <laughs> he was just being a little asshole. He was just being a little, little stinker. He's a little twat. Funny. I still, I mean, hey, I still remember the story. Is twat a bad word? Um, I probably in certain contexts, yeah. I feel like, well, my mom doesn't like me saying the c word. Oh, it's vulgar slang for a woman's genitals or a stupid, stupid or obnoxious person. Right. I feel like twat is appropriate in that context. I think it's better than the c word. Because mm. it has, it does, can't, it can be applied to a stupid or obnoxious person. I mean, so can cunt. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom. I don't say that word. You didn't say that <laughs> word. I don't use that word at all. I've never said the C word in my whole life. That's uh, correct. You fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs>
Are Sorry, you saying mom. that to your mom? It was one slip up. I'm saying it to you. <laughs> It's so one slip up. I'm sorry. I won't say cunt again. Oh god. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said cunt. Oh, fuck. Dude, speaking of cunts, did the did <laughs> Arthur? Uh, well, whatever happened to him? I like to imagine he died a slow, horrible, painful death, but he probably just probably was didn't. rich and <laughs> yeah. just lived a great life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people are like slamming him on his obituary, so yeah, I, probably wasn't that great. <laughs> You have to imagine if he had any soul whatsoever that like he would be he'd be kept up at night, you know. He wasn't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, women's jaws were falling off, and this guy was like, "Huh, that doesn't." Well, you know, not us. One sort of thing I dislike about the litigious nature of our society Mm -hmm. is that publicly, like maybe privately, you think you did something wrong, Mm -hmm. but publicly, it's really hard to admit that because then you could be liable, you know. So it's, I mean, not that I'm not saying this specific case, the guy seemed like an asshole, mm-hmm. but I do think sometimes like perfect example, Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. I think, you know how you like shot some guy, a woman. Yeah. A woman. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't even know, but he emphatically was like, this was not my fault. This was the prop designer's fault or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And one, I think that's a masterclass in not being able to take ownership of your actions. Mm-hmm. Two, he was a producer on the movie, so he totally should have known regardless. Like, why'd you hire that gal or guy to run the product department? Yeah. And But anyway, my point is, I feel like he has to say that. Because if he says, you know, yes, I take total ownership of this and I'm going to fix the problem. Then it's open for a lawsuit. Exactly. Well, at that point, um, you should be sued because you killed someone. Definitely. But I guess I'm just saying, like, you know, any lawyer hearing that will be like, it's time to press the advantage. Like, we maybe could have gotten a fair settlement. Now we can take him for all he's worth, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he should be taken for all he's worth. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Some guy died. That, yeah. I mean, that's a very... I don't know, man. I don't know. That specific case maybe isn't the best example, but I think the general principle does hold. Yeah, well, the thing was, is they were already going through... Well, no, at the time, they... They were kind of under a lot, like they were just a, in the process of being sued. I guess I, I, no, but I can't understand that because women's jaws were fucking falling totally. off of their body. Not saying they weren't, 100%, but I'm just saying like this dude's unique psychopathic nature, mm-hmm. like who knows, maybe he went home and cried himself to sleep, you know, I don't know. Not defending this guy at all. Fuck this guy. Like, if you know, even in this scenario, you're supposed to be able to go and say, like, hey, damn the consequences, we're going to make this right. You know? 100%. Yeah. But I just wonder if more people would do that if, like, the if the consequence... Well, you know, but this is all a thing of, like, we need to make it easy for people to do the right thing, I guess. Yeah. He... I guess Arthur Roder never heard of... Um... Extreme ownership. Sure didn't. <laughs> Discipline equals extreme ownership. Yeah, I like, you know, it's a very nice sentiment to imagine that he, like, went home and cried himself to sleep, but um, women not, were, yeah. like, not even considered human in the 1900s, so. Also, I bet it's pretty hard to sleep when you have, like, massive jaw pain. Yeah, but, which he did not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
But what I'm saying is I don't think he really had any sleepless nights over this because he was probably like, oh, these middle-class women, ugh, these fucking whores, you know? Maybe they had it coming to them because it was the 1900s, and I don't think women were really highly regarded. Maybe. I, I have to wonder if it was closer to, like... I feel like back in the... I, I, I even think this now. I feel like people who are kind of on this sort of, like, say Jeff Bezos, you know, when he's abusing some Amazon warehouse worker. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he thinks of it like, this person's beneath me. Like, oh, I, come on. No, no, I think he doesn't think of that person at all. Like, I think that person is just a non-entity in his mind. I don't think he feels hatred for an Amazon warehouse worker. I just, I think he doesn't even... Like, they don't factor into the way he thinks, you know? They're just, like, numbers in a big... in a machine. Yeah, exactly. Well, he is an engineer, so that makes sense. Makes total sense. But I don't think you have to be an engineer to think that way. I think you just have to be, you know, relatively un- uncreative. Not that he's uncreative. He's obviously a really creative person. But not that... Not, maybe it's not that you have to be uncreative, but you have to be... There's like a certain mental place you're not you're willing to just turn off where it's like like I don't want to face this and cuz it's not going to serve me. So therefore I'm just not thinking of it. Like I feel like that explains a lot more of this kind of behavior than like than ha 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 I'm evil, you know? Yeah, I guess um Again, not defending this guy at all, because I think functionally the difference <laughs> between that this and guy evil is, really great. <laughs> is nothing. Like, there's basically the this is the banality of evil, you know. Yeah, I. You want to hear about the good parts of this? Are there good parts? Uh, kind of. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, obviously, the Radium Girls is still revered today as sure both i'm sure that's really fucking comforting yeah well both (laughs) as like a health and labor rights movement sure okay fair enough so you know that's it's kind of like a stepping stone to better improved working conditions progress um and the right for individual workers to sue for damages from corporations due to labor abuse was established sure as a result of the radium girls case that's actually really non <clears throat> that's actually like really important yeah and also in the wake of the case uh industrial safety centers were in like really enhanced oh, yeah. for many decades so oh yeah okay never mind there is a silver lining here it's really but like these women suffered so horribly terribly like, but you know really it really makes all the difference to think that their suffering had some kind of meaning rather than just being like useless pain that had no purpose you know yeah i have to think like let's imagine for a moment if you will like let's imagine before radium was used as like a consumer product in watches um it was discovered like hey you shouldn't like eat this yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't put this in your mouth probably and swallow not. yeah there was there would probably be some some other kind of product that was used in like a an industrial sort of sense where um the the you know the minimum wage employees were somewhat abused i mean like the industrial revolution led to so many kind of uh, so like so so much like reform and like 
laws and regulations, you know, I mean, like, like, these women were children when they first started working, they were, like, the youngest was, like, 14. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's insane. And so, they had, like, 14 to, like, 16, 18-year-olds, I think the eldest, like, the oldest woman working here was, like, maybe in her early 20s. Jeez. So, having, like, these new kind of, like, uh regulation and laws coming out of like hey we shouldn't put like teenagers in an environment where they could die slow horrible painful deaths or where they could like lose their hand in some kind of in in like accident but now that i think why why wouldn't people think of that beforehand no it makes perfect sense that you wouldn't like it like people don't like People always think you're going to come up with some grand plan where you're going to think of all the variables. Mm -hmm. You never will. You just have to start stuff. And, like, weirdly, you don't have to, I guess. But it's weird. Like, it just tends to happen where, like, you just do things. And this happens on a societal level, obviously, as we're seeing right now. But I'm I'm really basing this off of, like, this happens on, like, a company level where, like, in manufacturing, you know, you always have some grand plan to set up an assembly line and everything's going to go hunky-dory. And Mm -hmm. there's a million things you never thought of, you know, and then you have to fix it as you go. Yeah. And to me, it makes total sense that that would happen on the society level of, like, let's say you're the government and you're like, let's set up labor laws and we're going to make sure we cover all our bases. And then something like this happens. Well, like you said, this is, like, how, how we make progress and... It's just, it's, it's kind of in the same way that like innovation happens where the individual people who do innovation, 99% of them fail, you know, Mm -hmm. like people have to be victims in this kind of situation, you know, for like progress to be made. Usually, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but like, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. But like, okay, completely like disregard like everything about the radium girls like you learn in history class and like high school about like the industrial revolution and how it was great for um you know like uh, you know improvement in life but then you hear about these horror stories where like people would lose hands and then you're like hey i have a great idea let's put kids in this environment yeah. where they can put their tiny little fingers yeah, right. and lose them right. like was no one thinking like that's that doesn't seem like the best idea like yeah. i don't want like a little kid losing their hand or anything like that well what's crazy is like they probably did at that point yeah but then it's like there's just a level of time that it takes for these things to change like regardless of anything you know do you think these people who are part of these the the like the makeup of these companies that have these children working in these horrible uh factories like do you think they're like evil for making these kids working or do you think it's i i would it's inevitable because i mean people are still <sighs> pissing and shitting in jars you know with for amazon. amazon yeah so like working conditions how well they've improved but like you know i think to answer that question you would have to answer like is jeff bezos evil yes so there's, I mean, like, <laughs> evil as a word, like, what is evil, you know? Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, I believe the way Jeff a. Bezos acts is functionally indistinguishable from evil in a lot of cases. But do I think that he considers himself evil? 
I really doubt it. He probably doesn't. He probably just thinks like, well, you know, these people should be happy to have a job and you I'm know, not going to They signed up it for it. They signed their adults yeah. just like I am, you know, like Yeah. I I don't I honestly don't think it really he has an understanding of how it is. And what's really weird is I think a lot of the time that's actually a good thing, not in Bezos's case. But like I think it's really – there's a reason that human brains can just turn off facts that we don't like. Like, mm-hmm. like imagine you're going to start a company and there's a really good chance you're going to go bankrupt. And there's like a 1% chance that you're going to become fabulously wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. As a human race, it's probably a really good thing that that person can turn off their brain. Because on the 1% odds that they become fabulously wealthy – they're going to give way more value than that typically, or at least I think probably they'll give that much more value to the human race in general, usually. And obviously you can point out examples where that doesn't happen, where like somebody gets wealthy, but their product doesn't really add anything, you know, Mm -hmm. but, or at least you, well, to refine that a little bit, you could probably say that capitalism is really good at delivering certain types of products that way. And there's other things that we never see, which fair enough. But I think there is like the reason that that happens is I think there's a utility there that evolutionarily it makes sense. You know, like how many people got burned alive before we burned the first deer carcass to eat it and get more nutrients, you know? Yeah, I see your point there. I don't know. It's just from a humanitarian and moral standpoint I would want to know like if I were starting a company I would want to know every aspect that's why I love that show Undercover Boss so much because it's like these rich assholes who who like like basically got like daddy's company and they're Mm -hmm. like working minimum wage jobs and they're like oh my god you know like this is this is like the the average life yeah. of someone who's working in this company and they they can also get a lot out of it from like a moral standpoint but also from a business standpoint yes. they can yeah. find improvements and efficient uh, ways to make their um products or whatever they're doing more efficient or something like that in in that Toyota book they call this getting close to the gemba and the Gemba is, like, where the value is actually created. So if yeah. you're some executive sitting in some ivory tower, mm-hmm. you don't understand your business at all. Yeah. And, jeez. Uh, uh, excuse me. I think that's kind of where, like, I really like having these conversations with you. Because I feel like I'm kind of coming from it from more of, like, an emotional and, well, not ethical. Because you're also taking ethical considerations but like from like a more emotional standpoint and you're like looking at it like a like a facts and numbers kind of thing and it's an interesting yeah it's a neat juxtaposition you know exactly the creative tension of two points of view is where like true i almost want to say value but it's really like just true art and beauty is created yeah have you seen the kylo ren undercover <laughs> boss <laughs> yeah. it's so funny <laughs> So good <laughs> when he when he force chokes that yeah. one guy and he's like, guys, I'm I, I'm Kylo Ren and they're all like, yeah, we know. We know you're Kylo Ren. We know. <laughs> I like the part where he's like, I saw Kylo Ren in the shower the other day. Did you know he has an eight pack? <laughs> 
and the guy's like, he isn't, he's like 90 pounds soaking wet or something like that. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. I really like the part where, like, one of the guys is like, yeah, this is the picture my daughter drew, or my son drew, right before he was murdered horribly. And then Kylo Ren is like, I really connected on on an emotional standpoint with that. Uh, officer, mainly because I'm the one who murdered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought uh, that was funny. This, but unironically. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much all I got. That was really insightful, and frankly, especially at the beginning, I found it really moving. Yeah, I did not expect it to go this long. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a really deep topic. Yeah, and I'm glad I had it with you, one of my best friends, and yeah. dare I say, my boyfriend. Don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, God. Anyways, that's all for now, folks. Until the next episode. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.